Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Louder than I expected. Uh, welcome to the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs, or SACPA. My name is Christina Cuthbertson, and I'll be your moderator for today. Uh, just a few quick announcements before we get started. Um, I'd like to take this opportunity to ask you to turn off your cell phones and to remind you that this session is being recorded. And this and other sessions can be listened to on the SACPA website um, after, after today. Um, the lunch today is $11, and there's a basket at the center of your table. And if you don't mind uh, delegating someone at your table, is it too loud? Um, to count the money before SACPA collects it, that's hugely appreciated. SACPA is a nonprofit organization, and we rely on the support of our members and our lunch attendees. And I'd like to also quickly thank all of our partners, Country Kitchen Catering, for their uh, food service today, the University of Lethbridge for distributing our notices, Shaw TV, who broadcasts our sessions on Sunday, Sunday at 4.30, as well as the... Lethbridge Herald and CKXU uh, Radio for their coverage of our sessions. Uh, our format for today will follow the regular format, 30 minutes each for our presentation, followed by lunch, followed by a question period, and uh, we'll finish up around 1.30. So without too much delay, I'll introduce your speakers today on the topic of the relationship between liberal education and social activism. So we have two speakers today. Bruce McKay is a near-native Lethbridgean, has been here for quite a long time, and received his undergra undergraduate from the U of L in anthropology. He completed a master's in the theological studies at Harvard and did his PhD at the University of Toronto in religious studies. He's taught a wide variety of courses at Redcote College, Lethbridge College, and the University of Lethbridge, and since 2003 has been coordinator of the Liberal Education Program in the Faculty of Arts and Science. His current research is in issues associated with teaching and learning uh, for liberal education. Followed by Bruce, we have Josephine Mills, who's director curator at the University of Lethbridge Art Gallery and associate professor in the Department of Art at the University of Lethbridge. She's worked as a curator and public programmer at various uh, art galleries and artist-run centers in Saskatoon and Vancouver. Uh, Mills has a PhD in communication studies from Concordia University and is graduate of the Museum Leadership Institute at the Getty Center. Her research uh, focuses on broader issues related to collecting for art galleries and artists, as well as the relationship, relationship between art and notions of public in Canada. She is president of the Canadian Art Museum Directors Organization and past president of the University and College Art Gallery Association of Canada. So please join me in welcoming Bruce McKay and Josephine Mills. Thank you very much. 
uh, Christine, and thank you to SACPA for inviting us uh, to come and speak today and to share some of our questions and uh, thoughts about activism and liberal education. So uh, the plan uh, is for me to speak for about 15 minutes and then for, for Josephine to come up and speak for the second 15 minutes. Um, and what I would like to do is to give you some context to uh, our questions about activism and social change and liberal education. So more questions than answers. Um, and that's because our work and the reason we're here is to tell you a bit about a, a, a collective research project that we are involved with, an interdisciplinary uh, research project on complex social change. The full title is Complex Social Change, Teaching, Performing, Exhibiting, Designing, Mapping. Um, and uh, Josie and I are, uh, share this project with uh, three other colleagues um, three, four other colleagues who uh, are, are from all different disciplines at the university, um, different backgrounds, but we have this common interest in um, social change, how it happens, uh, why it happens, and how it can be sustained, and how we can help educate our students to contribute to making uh, change, particularly change for the better. Um, so I'm going to speak about the liberal education piece. That's my heart and soul. And rather than define liberal education, let me ask, what is a liberal education for? What does it do? And I think the simple answer is that a liberal education is education for democracy. In other words, I think, educating students to ultimately contribute to SACPA. Okay, it's education that considers the good life. What is the good life? In, in all its facets, social, public, but also private and individual. This is a very old question, and it goes back to the ancient Greeks who started thinking about, okay, if we're going to govern ourselves, govern our cities collectively, um, how should we educate our young people so that they can continue this business of governing and making decisions for the good of all of us and for the good of themselves? The ancient Greeks had, had two ideas, two rough streams of thought in answer to this question of how to educate for the good life. One was um, a stream which taught young people to think like philosophers, to consider questions that would help them escape ignorance. That, they felt, would lead to an understanding of what the good life was. Others in ancient Greek society were more interested in educating young people to govern, to be able to speak in public, to be able to... to uh, um, offer arguments for particular courses of action and to help with decision-making. Since that, those initial steps some 2,000 years ago, um, liberal education has gone through various forms and shifts in its 
aim or its emphasis or how it's been done, but I think that overall emphasis um, has remained. At the same time, so today at the University of Lethbridge, a key component of the liberal education philosophy is breadth. No matter where a student comes from, no matter what their main interest is academically, they are required to take courses outside of that main area of interest. So if a student, for example, decides they want to be a chemist, they're focused on chemistry, it's their major, they still have to take courses in the humanities and in the fine arts and in the social sciences, not just the physical sciences. And our belief is that that breadth helps to contribute to thinking about, well, what's a good life? Chemistry is part of it, but not all of it. Okay? And that breadth encourages students to think about this. Um, there is some resistance or some tension with this notion of liberal education um, across not just in some areas of the university and certainly in the general community because many people argue that education is for a job. Many students come to university and they say that I'm here because I want to get a good job. University education leads to a good job. And there's behind that equation, there is the notion that a good life depends on a good job. And yes, that may be true, but surely a good life is more than just a job. Okay? So my job <laughs> is to try to help students begin to think about more broadly and to think about how um, they can craft for themselves and for others a good life beyond what they do for a job. So in liberal education today, we aim to develop certain skills associated with social values. Values like freedom, which is at the heart of the notion of liberty, which underlies a liberal education, going all the way back to the Greeks, who discovered at the Battle of Marathon that free people, free men in this case, actually fight better than slaves. And on the basis of that experience and everything since, freedom is good. Okay? And it generates a good life, not just for individuals, but for communities. Equality. If we're going to be free, well, then why should I have more freedom than someone else? That doesn't make sense. We should all be free. So this notion of equality is a key value. Um, justice. If we're going to be free and equal, we've got to be fair. So just because I have a certain position, should I be judged differently than someone else? No. Okay. Together with this, we have certain intellectual values, like rational thought, okay? reasoned argument, that open-mindedness. So in a forum like SACPA, we listen to different arguments, different perspectives, ask good questions, uh, make arguments that are based on reasonable presentations of evidence and uh, conclusions and logic. We use clear, effective communication. And all of these things are things that we can teach. These values are things that we can teach. 
And a liberal education maintains that educating for these values will ultimately generate or help to generate a good life, both individually for students as they live their lives as individual workers and family members and parents, hopefully, and uh, consumers. But their choices will also be uh, colored by an understanding and an awareness of the good life as a public life. So once again, I think that a liberal education is actually education, really, for participating in a forum like SACPA. Okay? Uh, and SACPA, in many ways, embodies these values that I've talked about, these values that we hope to educate in through a liberal education. So um, to finish, I guess I would like to ask you a question um, about how or ask you how and what um, can you do or can we do together to help encourage and educate young people to participate in forums and such as this one. I'll turn it over now to Josie to carry on the flame. Thanks, Bruce. Um, do I need to tip this down, or is it good? Like that? Is that good? All right. Um, so the images up on the screen is from the food series. So I'll just kind of uh, go through and, and show them while I'm talking. But it's the first kind of big project that the art gallery and liberal education did together. So it was a series of exhibitions, and there were talks and other things. Um, from July through December 2011, so, so last year. And to help maybe give more of a kind of specific example uh, of what we're doing rather than talking about what we're going to do with the Complex Social Change Project. And uh, might not be so much so obviously when one thinks about activism, one often thinks about protests. So kind of like the student protests in, in Quebec or the um, you know, recent uh, Aboriginal protests that have been happening. But in terms of for what our group is looking at and what we're interested in is more about a, a bigger idea of being engaged. So like what Bruce was talking about, um, like feeling that you can make a difference and actions that do actually make social change happen. And often those are smaller and individual kind of actions rather than kind of public um, group protests. And for a public art gallery, uh, what we really talk about is public engagement. So we talk about mostly think about in terms of public programs, so like when we have lectures or panel discussions, but also text panels that you can read, all the things that go together with public programs. But for an art gallery, it's anything to do with the audience. So exhibitions, everything that we do, one wants to have that public engagement. And I think it really boils down to you think about an art gallery, obviously the one necessary thing is art, but the other necessary thing is the public. So they're, and they're equally important. So what this has to do with uh, universities and uh, art galleries, being at a university gallery, there can be a really good fit between a public gallery at a university, um, like at the University of Lethbridge, and particularly because of the liberal education focus it makes for a really good fit with what the art gallery does. 
So my focus as director and curator is on public engagement. I mean, that's what drives all the programming, all the budget decisions, all the planning, and all of the growth. Basically, the art gallery has expanded greatly, greatly improved its funding, things like that, over the last decade. And it's been driven by a focus on public engagement. And that that's good for the gallery, and it's, and it's good for the university as well. So the, uh, the gallery wants to have an audience, but we don't just want to have people who come and then kind of go like, meh, when they get there, or I don't understand, or I don't care. You want to have people come, know the art gallery exists, want to come to it, come find it, but when they get there, that they have a meaningful experience. And really the heart and soul for an art gallery is repeat visits. Unless you happen to be in a, one of the few places that have a lot of tourists that come, that the, the core for Canadian public galleries mostly are not in tourist areas, and that you have people who come to you know, many of your exhibitions over a year and over, over the years, and builds over time. In terms of being good for the university, for education to really work, you, you don't want to just have 40 isolated courses. And it doesn't matter how excellent they are and how excellent the professors are. I mean, otherwise, might as well do the degree online or by correspondence or whatever. That it's the education to really work comes together with the conversations that happen outside of class, uh, the connections that build, you know, with people, build with around ideas, that you have discussion over time. So you have discussions, but you have discussions, you know, with the same people, other students, faculty, you know, you build over time. And also what's really important is that you get to encounter, but also try out different viewpoints, try out new perspectives, and have a multitude and diversity of experiences. And then you get to do things like that there's demonstrations, but you try out for yourself. Um, there's things like volunteering, being involved in campus groups, um, doing internships, co-op programs. So basically this whole range of things where you get to apply ideas but then also the reverse, that one's able to take those experiences and then use them as examples uh, to study and help develop understanding and, and develop further theoretical frameworks. So all of that together helps to fully develop someone as a person and uh, have meaningful experiences as part of one's education. So I mean, that's where the, the public engagement and the, uh, the university kind of really fit together. Okay, so uh, what does that have to do, you know, back to the art gallery in terms of the focus? Um, that being part of that mix of the, the qualitative aspects, the things that are harder to, to sort of put down and put into a category, uh, part of that sort of university life is where the, where the U of L art gallery really fits, and that's certainly my goal. And we have a relatively new mission statement that the U of L art gallery is a forum for the exchange of ideas. So that's been our focus properly like developed and written down from about three years ago. Um, so that it's a forum for the exchange of ideas, it's a site for interdisciplinary discussion, a meeting point, a place for contemplation. It obviously goes on longer than that, uh, I won't go into the details. But what that really comes out of is identifying the advantage for university art galleries. And that is that we can address difficult ideas in depth. Uh, and by difficult, I mean that in a, a number of senses of the word. 
So one of them is the idea that one needs to actually, they're not easy to understand when you first encounter them. So that you need to have, uh, you need to read, you need to think, you need to do research. And an example would be the exhibition that we have up now called And Yet We Still Remain. And you could certainly just go and enjoy it. We've got a number of our gorgeous uh, uh, historical Canadian landscapes on display. But there's also recent work by Lisa Hermer, which are photographs of piles of dirt. Uh, might not be as obvious what that's about when you see it. So the connections that are there are around uh, the history of Lauren Harris and the Group of Seven and Canadian landscape representation and the connection to identity. So you could enjoy this exhibition, just enjoy the aesthetics of it, but it also is difficult to understand if you really want to get into, into that uh, research that's there. And then there's difficult in the sense of upsetting subject matter. Uh, the first project that the Art Gallery did with, with um, liberal education was several years ago, the, the first time that Bruce and others developed a, a course on genocide in the 20th century. And we had a, an exhibition that went with that series. So, I mean, putting on an exhibition that addresses genocide, that's going to be clearly an upsetting topic to address. And then also, I mean, in terms of difficult often is the things that are contentious and unresolved, things that people are very polarized about, have a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, so we've done exhibitions that are around gender, sexuality, race, um, you know, cultural difference. So what I want to do is talk about the ones that I've been showing is the food series. And it gives an example, certainly, of this idea of all of those different notions of, of difficult. Uh, this is a work by Lyndall Osborne called Endless Forms Most Beautiful. And it's actually a work about genetic modification. So I, I hope you had a chance to actually see the work. Um, but basically, the food series ad addressed a whole range of um, social and political aspects of food. So Lyndall's work and the work that I was showing before by Alex Moon um, addressed kind of agribusiness and had a kind of a fake Fields Research Station, and he had a fake um, agribusiness co corporation and the relationship between the individual farmer and agribusiness. And then other projects looked at uh, connections between identity and food. So they are serving pizza, Dota Lab, but uh, it was a project around identity and food. Um, and then there were related things. This is from Movable Feast that uh, Lisa Doolittle did, a dance, dance project. But it addressed uh, food security issues worldwide and had students interpreting that. And then uh, this exhibition, and there's also a publication that goes with it, which I brought along a copy. Uh, it's called The Lion's Share, and it was the final component, a commission project by artist Rita McCoe, and it addressed our relationship to eating animals. Um, so the exhibition itself was quite uh, zany. Uh, she described it as a... Uh, Looney t a 3D version of a Looney Tunes cartoon gone awry. So there was all sorts of things on the walls. There were these fake restaurant tables with spears that were robotic spears that stabbed hot dogs and eggs. Um, so they were motion sense triggered. And a uh, chicken, uh, you can see she's just collapsed, but that would uh, bang her head and cackle hysterically when you entered the room. And there the fried eggs that are rubber and the real eggshells all over the floor. So the food series, uh, in terms of that idea being, you know, a difficult uh, in-depth, kind of summed all of those up together and needing research, uh, 
you know, upsetting topics and things that people are really polarized about. And what I can say about it is, I think I have one more image, gives you a close-up. Uh, and the hot dogs, sorry, I just want to mention them as well. They were actually kind of the center of the show, that they were hot, so they're fake hot dogs. Everything was, um, you know, made with sculpty and rubber and things. And they were in a feedlot surrounded with their own hot dog poop. So uh, little coils of hot dog poop. And uh, the thing about, you know, addressing things like our relationship to eating animals is an incredibly emotional topic. People have are strongly invested. Uh, they're either invested economically or they're invested emotionally. When you try to address things like feedlots, it just upsets people, and people just say, I don't want to talk about it. I've already made up my mind, and you're, we're not going there. But by having it be these fake hot dogs with your cute little hot dog poops, um, it's just so funny. You're able to get close to the idea of it and then to have discussion and be able to think about it and move forward from those polarized positions. So, I mean, doing this kind of approach, the food series is the biggest one we've done yet. Uh, and it'll grow with the, the complex social change. But the presenting the difficult ideas in depth, that's the approach that I've been doing now for several years, and it has been nothing but enormously successful for the U of L Art Gallery. I definitely thought we were going to get some people complaining about the shows, uh, that we might either get that the artists didn't really understand the science behind genetic modification. In fact, Lindell's done tons of research. Uh, or you know, that the lion's share was, you know, lesbian, vegetarian propaganda or something like that. Uh, but we got absolutely no negative response and quite the opposite. Um, people really did engage with it. They repeat visited the same exhibition. So we had people become quite attached to the chicken, didn't want her to leave. I actually had a comment in the guest book in the last couple of weeks from someone who said, I still miss the chicken. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a metaphor for working at the university, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, that, and I think what's been successful about it is that these are exhibitions about things that matter to people. They're subjects that they actually want to think about and discuss, uh, they want to learn about, and that they benefit from seeing the multiple perspectives. So, j just to, to conclude, that after doing the food series, uh, that I had been just saying that I, it's the only way that I ever want to do any of the major projects for the art gallery. Uh, that working with Bruce and with Liberal Education, and with the rest of our research uh, group, that we're able to develop topics um, together in depth and then each explore them in our own ways. Uh, but that it also, the built-in partnerships, all the things one looks for in an art gallery, there's the, uh, both op opportunities for funding and cost sharing but really it's the audience development. And that for people who were at the food series, there was a course being taught that whole semester, there were speakers, uh, there was a whole bunch of different things that happened. And so people were able to encounter the ideas in multiple ways over the course of several months and really build up a much more engaged kind of uh, interaction with the ideas rather than putting the exhibition up for six weeks, taking it down and then, and then doing something completely different. And so, I mean, towards that end, that's where the uh, formally working together now is the, the, on the complex social change. And then also have to express uh, our deep gratitude. The university created a, a, a brief one-time fund and that we were successful under the Interdisciplinary Research Development Fund. 
so to actually s purposefully fund interdisciplinary research. And uh, so that's what's allowed us to really now officially be a research group working together and to, you know, to seek uh, to further develop and expand this project. And then also, of course, I'm grateful to the uh, ongoing funding the Art Gallery gets from the Canada Council for the Arts and the Alberta Foundation for the Arts. And the model that we have, so the, the lion's share, as I said, um, we got an Alberta Foundation for the Arts grant to tour the exhibition, so it's now touring nationally, um, and uh, to produce, produce a publication um, after the exhibition closed. So we're hoping to have an even kind of larger scale with the projects we'll be doing for complex social change that'll run, there'll start to be things that happen next semester, some videos and things like that, but the bulk of it will be uh, September 2013 through February 2014 with exhibitions, performances, uh, much more website and social media because we have funding now for interns uh, and, a, and a major publication that'll happen at, at the end of the project. So I think it's about good for time. So thank you. Thank you, Josie and Bruce. Um, now we have 30 minutes for our lunch service here, and I invite you to discuss your topic and formulate your questions while we eat. <laughs> <laughs>